Hello there. I am Quentin Hoffman, editor of IrrationalPassions.com, and you, listener, are listening to a review discussion. Um, this one in particular is for the newly released Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And I am here, I'm joined by, rather, Alex O'Neill, editor-in-chief of IrrationalPassions.com, and huge... Ori in the Blind Forest fan. Yes. Howdy, Alex. Hi, Quinn. What's going on, bud? I feel like I, I converted a few of the other team members. You you included to being a fan as well. Uh, of what? Uh, of Ori. Of the of Ori? Yeah. I thought you were going to say the word bud. Um, <laughs> yes, of course, but also Ori. Um, yes. Um, so for those who don't know, we did um, Irrational Passions has a show called Video Game Book Club. And one of those, Alex's pick, I believe, was Ori in the Blind Forest. Mm-hmm. And that game's pretty neat. Um, it's pretty think, and it's neat. I agree. It is pretty and it's very neat. Um, I have some qualms with that game, but we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> we're here to talk about the sequel, the follow-up. So, Alex, can you give me an elevator pitch on Ori and the Will of the Wisps? Sure. Uh so I, I finished it. I've played it. Um, I There will probably be some level of a written thing about it. It's just worth noting. I'm hoping this will go up very soon in a short turnaround from when we're recording it. But uh, there there will probably be a written full thing about it or, or at least some kind of thing about it. But I wanted to do this because there was like a situation where there's a lot of technical problems with the game and then a day one patch was going to resolve a lot of them. So I haven't played a lot of it. Uh, with the patch, but it definitely has gotten better. So um, that is just part part you know getting ahead of everything of of why we're mm-hmm. we're talking about it instead of like a written review published ready to go. Um, so Ori in the Will of the Wisps, I would say like the pitch is it is more Ori in like every regard. It is bigger. It is has more characters. It has more people you can talk to. It has quests and side quests. It is a totally reimagined combat system. It has a still very, very beautiful, articulately made, hand-drawn world. Um, it is still one of the best-feeling platformers I have ever played, if not maybe the best. I, I'm i still like kind of thinking about where I'm at with, with Will the Wisp specifically, but boy howdy, there's some stuff that hopefully we'll talk about that is just unbelievable. Uh, and uh, it is just absolutely gorgeous. It is like I, there was a moment Sunday when I was playing it uh, where I just like cuddled up, you know, got all comfortable. I'm like, I'm gonna just sit there and play this for the next few hours, trying to get through it. Uh, and just somewhere in the middle, like two hours in the middle, I was just totally lost in the world. Like I was completely engrossed. Uh, and some of that's just like the the color and the lighting. Like there's this area with the sunset that is just un- unbelievable. Uh, some of it's like the way that the characters look and, and move around the world. Uh, it's just it's just absolutely stellar to look at from from top to bottom. Yeah, and I think for me, that was one of the things that I genuinely enjoyed about Ori is like I wasn't super big on the combat in the first one. But I, fuck, I absolutely adored exploring those environments. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always wanted to see what was next because the way they're crafted and the way they're painted, so to speak, is just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm, ex- I'm eager to hear 
your thoughts on those environments because a it's most likely more of the same and i believe that they're also more diverse this time around correct yeah there's a, there's a lot more places to go and what's cool is at some point in the game it kind of opens you up to do to kind of tackle things in any order that you want kind of like a lot of will the wisp feels like some more modern zelda games like specifically okay. like a link between worlds um, of just, like, feels like you kind of go through dungeons. It feels like you, you're kind of exploring an overworld. Again, even though it, it is all still 2D, it's all still presented mm-hmm. the way uh, Blind Forest was presented. But it just... There, there's just something to it. Something to the, the way the levels are designed and, and how it feels like you're going through, like, temples and dungeons and these ancient places that, that it feels very Zelda-like. And then, you know, there is a point where you can kind of go do four different things that all that you'll have to do eventually, but you, as far as I could tell, you could do them in any order. I'm, a, I'm trying to play through the game again, at least partly, okay. um, to see if I can do those things in a different order. Uh, but mm-hmm. it seems like you can. Uh, and that's really cool. Uh, yeah, it's you know there's there's like a snow environment, there's a desert environment, there's a forest environment, but like they they do okay. they do cool stuff in that each area like there I I messaged in our Slack like there's an aquatic like environment that is like absolutely beautiful and the music there is like really really chill, very calm, um, and it's it's cool when you go to different areas, different regions have. Their, their own kind of sound to them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and like kind of more guitar-y, like loose desert-y sounds for the desert uh, to a very tropical underwater sound to the, the aquatic area. Um, but each area has like unique environmental mechanics. Like one area that I went to had, uh, there's like, you get a grappling hook ability and there are these grappling points that you can like, like they look like plants that you can, grab onto yeah. and you'll you'll actually hang from the ceiling on them until you jump off in this one environment those were there but they had like little uh plant mouth on it and it would attack you if you stayed on it for too long so like they'll do little things that will just keep you on your toes when you're exploring any environment and that's like themed to each unique place that that one's a little less spoilery <laughs> like there there's some wilder shit that the game does but i don't necessarily want to ruin it for folks yeah, and I think so. The game has like these different hubs, correct? And kind of, yeah. I would say like it has okay. one real, like it has one. It has a town that you kind of yeah go to, and uh, very, very much reminiscent of like the town from Hollow Knight. Um, it's a, l- okay. a little bit more. It's not like right at the front of the game. You have to kind of explore for a little bit before you get to it. But it it felt like that in that you can kind of go back there and and donate. Mm-hmm. things that you find in, in the world to to make the town better or brighter or help the people out there so okay. um but you can like the thing is you can fast travel anytime anywhere uh to any of the god bless fast travel points uh so like there's one in the town but there's like typically one or two in each like major region mm-hmm. so you can like from the map go to any of them anytime um, you can't go anywhere anytime just to those fast travel points, but that's really all you need. So, yeah. So I think you mentioned something just now. It's like donating to this town to make it better. Yes. I kind of want to dig into that because that's not something you could like in the first game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Is you had to get these MacGuffins to make everything better. Mm-hmm. Um. So by donating, is it kind of like an Animal Crossing thing, or is it literally? Are things 
physically changing the environment when you donate them. It's it's more the things definitely change in the town. It's more of like it's a side quest series that you can do in town. There, there's a couple, I think two people in town that will like have different things that you can bring to them, and that will change the town. So one is like this big. And to be fair, like, Ori and the Blind Forest had no NPCs. Like, there was zero people that you could interface with at all in that entire game. So this is, like, tons of people you can talk to. There are people that you'll meet recurring along your adventure. There's this this bird dude named Tok who's, like, an explorer, kind of like you. And you meet him all the time. He'll help you with puzzles and stuff. Like, he's super jolly. And they're all super cute. And you just want to hug, reach out and hug all these little animals. Um, but yeah, so there's like this big, uh, kind of blacksmith looking guy in town. And if you bring him or he can build houses for the, the people that have been kind of disenfranchised by the, the kind of decay that's happening in the world and have come to the town to, to find shelter. Uh, and then once houses are built, there'll actually be new places that you can go to in town and like new little characters might show up that, that might be parts of side quests or, or things like that. Um, and then there's another guy that you can give seeds to and he'll plant different plants from the world that you find, uh, in town. And, and those typically the plants in Ori have like some other function, like for example, that, that grappling hook can go off of Mm -hmm. some of those plant points. Uh, okay. So yeah, it'll, those things will open up like different ways to explore the town and get to, to like parts of the ceiling that you couldn't get to before and stuff like that. Yeah. So this very much sounds like a lot of these systems are interlocked and inter- very much interconnected. Mm-hmm. So, and I think f- mechanically that's awesome because while you do that certain task in zone A, right, you bring back things to this hub and you still are able to do those things that you did in zone A and et cetera, et cetera. And it keeps, that's a smart way to keep things like not lively, but keep those um, whatchamacallit, those, like, sequences, like, gameplay sequences mm-hmm. still there on, and j- instead of just, like, getting rid of them entirely. Yeah, it, it and, like, when you go back to environments that you had explored before, you'll see, like, oh, there's a grappling point here that I can use now. Like, oh, like, all this stuff is kind of interlaced throughout all the environments. It The cool thing is it looks different in different places, right? So, like, a grappling mm-hmm. plant might look one way here and look another way in another environment, or in this environment... It, there's a thing that functions similarly, but you have it's a different power. It's its own unique power, and I think there's a lot of that in Will of the Wisps. Like there's a lot of powers that you get that do function in a similar way, but off of different objects in the environment. And I think on face mm-hmm. value, you can look at that and be like, okay, you're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, just you know, you here you do it to it grappling plant and here you do it to like a stone that you can burst through or whatever but i it's not like that because the game very very cleverly layers those different mechanics into platforming puzzles so then you're like bursting through a sand tile and then grappling and then going into water and then shooting out of water and then grappling and like doing all of those powers in tandem like Mm -hmm. in quick succession to one another and it becomes like this you know, don't let your feet hit the ground thing that Ori in the Blind Forest had, but it really only had one power that kind of worked Mm -hmm. off of that mechanic, which was Bash. And essentially they took that one power, which was, I think, one of the best 
feeling platforming abilities in any video game like up to that point and a little bit beyond and it's one of my favorite things in Ori and the Blind Forest and they just like quadrupled down on it and they gave you a lot of other powers that function similarly but are different enough and can only be used in certain environments that it feels like you always have to be kind of aware of your surroundings and like yeah yeah, just the little touch of being able to bring parts of those environmental things back to your home base Mm -hmm. like creates that as more of like a hub area of like oh this ties this whole world together uh it's really cool and and that helps um keep things like it's not like a skill check but it's like cool it's like it keep it keeps them lively keeps them fresh which which is something that uh, some games i'm gonna dunk on cyanara wild hearts real quick (laughs) is like unnecessary but okay (laughs) it's a game like that is gonna just introduce a gimmick and then when you're done with the gimmick, you don't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's endemic to a lot of games now. Mm-hmm. And hearing that the the fact that this team decided to do, keep those things around and make it lively is is awesome because it makes you. It also allows for you when you go back to the hub to say to yourself, "Hey, I still have these abilities. I can go out into the world and use them still." And and it keeps them in your brain. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, lively is the right word because it, the the whole the way that all these things kind of layer out throughout the world, it just feels like you're just dancing across the screen every second that you're playing it. And like that's, I think that my biggest takeaway, the the thing that I I will probably write specifically about, like Ori and the Will of the Wisps, is like a love letter to two D movement. Like I think I think it uh-huh. is just it's probably my favorite two D platformer just in how it feels ever okay. because I don't know if I've ever played a 2D game where you jump and attack things that feels this good. It just feels unbelievable when you when you have all of those abilities by the end of it and you're just slinging yourself through the environment. It is it is unbelievable. It's hard to describe honestly. Like just once you get in a really solid flow of doing bash to doing a grappling hook to doing the charge to Mm -hmm. doing the water dash to doing this to doing the forward dash to jumping again like it is just heaven it's serenity (laughs) it is it is what actualization is quinn i cannot i cannot tell Mm you um i remember when i played um the blind forest it was very much like near the end of the game it was like cool i'm starting to understand like what they're trying to do here Mm -hmm. um because it is a very much a fluid game and it it not only acts fluid but the environments are also fluid in a sense yes. um and it's it's exciting to hear that that i what's 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 the developer on this team because i don't moon studios moon studios i feel like they from hearing this and after playing blind forest is hearing that the fact that they have capitalized on that movement mm-hmm. is exciting because i like playing games fast if i can um, and knowing that if you can chain all these things together and get a good grip of what's going on and you're able just to like fly through the air more or less all majestically, that sounds awesome. Yeah. It, um, like the, the closest thing I could describe it to you, to you, Quinn, like just going off of what you've said about games that you like, like when you were talking about, um, session at PAX East and how like the, the, okay. the movement and everything kind of clicked with you, mm-hmm. like that is like the level that Ori is on with me. And like, I felt that way about the first game and it's just like, it's tough because I think the rest of the game maybe wasn't even up to the quality of how great the movement felt in that game, except for visually, I think for sure. But like 
the the yeah. combat wasn't as good, things like that. Um, the environments didn't let you really flex on that as much. And then they mm-hmm. they really got there with Will the Wisp and like when you the last ability you get, which I won't ruin, but it it just kind of complements all your whole tool set um, okay. that you've been building throughout the back half of the game. So again, just like in a post game of Ori, like I'm just flying across the screen, and it just yeah, it is it feels so good. It like if all 2D platformers could feel this good, like they, I just don't, I wouldn't play any other video games, maybe because mm-hmm. they would all just feel so great. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's that coupled with like all the stuff that they, they took from Hollow Knight or, or inspired by Hollow Knight where mm-hmm. you get all these kind of NPCs and quest givers that it ties yeah. it all together and makes it kind of a fuller package. Yeah. And I think that's something I wanted from blind Forest is like interaction, mm-hmm. but, um, let's not harp on that too long. So I want to know Alex, yeah. because you've mentioned it, um, well, let's talk about this combat system in Will of the West yeah. because apparently it's a big improvement from the previous game. Yeah, it's very it's completely different. So um and and like the there's a lot of stuff that they they completely changed like the the self checkpointing is totally gone. Um which is weird. It's weird. You kind of get used to it. Um you, you I like by the end of the game I I didn't really think about it. Um the checkpoints are pretty forgiving. Um, so there are a couple that are, are not, but they make sense contextually. Um, so yeah, the, the whole combat in blind forest was you had sign who, or Sen, uh, who like would just kind of shoot little sparks out. Um, now, like, again, that's all gone. You do get a thing that you can drop, like one of the uh, attack abilities you get functions a little bit like that. It's like a little butterfly that you drop and it shoots, uh, attacks, but like you just drop it in a stationary location and it'll attack for okay. you automatically. The real thing that you get right at the beginning, you get a spirit glaive, you get a sword, spirit sword, um, and you can. That's a weapon. That's a, yeah. You get a straight up weapon. You get a, multiple weapons in this game. Um, so uh, a lot of the abilities, if it's like an active ability, um, it mm-hmm. you get to choose it from like a weapon wheel or an ability wheel and map it to. Uh, X, Y, or B, so the the top three face buttons. Almost all of your traversal abilities are mapped to the left and right triggers and the left and right bumpers. So, like, all your traversal abilities will kind of overlap on those four buttons on the top of the controller, and then all of your combat abilities on the face buttons. Uh, which I think, okay. it, it took me a little while to get used to it. Like, for example, in or in the Blind Forest Bash, the ability you can use to launch yourself off of something is mapped to the Y button. In this game, it's mapped to left bumper, so it's it's different. But then once you start thinking about, like, oh, the triggers are all of my traversal abilities, and, and this is how mm-hmm. I'm going to get around the environment, it starts to make a little bit more sense. Um, yeah. So you get the sword, you can map it to square Y or, or B. Um, you'll, you at some point will get... Alex! Yeah? You just mixed up some PlayStation controls with your Xbox controls. I, I said controls. square, Y, or B. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it all bleeds together. Um, I know. X, I'm just, Y, or I'm B. Just jo- I'm just joshing you. Um, so, the, the cool th- so the sword has like a combo, you know, like a, a series of rapid hits mm-hmm. you can do. If you hold up with the sword and attack, you launch enemies into the air, and then you jump up after okay. them, and you can kind of co- parry them in the air. A lot of enemies are tough, so they won't necessarily stagger until you like launch them or hit them hard with something. So... Okay. You can't necessarily just do that right away. Um, 
if you hold it down with the the sword, you'll do like a big sweeping environment attack. Uh, if you hold down in the air with the sword, you'll like slash downward. Um, you can air combo. It's all pretty basic, like it's hack and slashy, but it mm-hmm. feels good to do. The real, I think, evolution of combat is when you start mixing in the other weapons. Uh, so there's a guy that you meet that will uh, give you other combat abilities. So like one is like a boomerang that you can throw and okay. it like rapidly attacks enemies either in a row or once you upgrade it, you can like actually keep it stationary and it'll just attack the same spot over oh, and over. Really? So. And the the best part is you you will be able to combo these together. So you also get a hammer that essentially is just the heavy weapon. It, if the sword is the mm-hmm. light weapon, you get a hammer that's free to use as well, and it's a heavy weapon. Some of these combat abilities use your like energy, your MP, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them don't. So once you kind of get in the swing of things, you can like launch people with the hammer and then jump in the air and attack them with the sword and then hit them like three times with the bow and arrow that you get. Uh, also pretty early in the game. So it's like once you really get in the flow of things, you can uh, really do some cool combos and do some cool combat tricks. Um, But -hmm. there's also these like shards. They're like, they function a lot like the, the badges that you equip in hollow Knight. I forget what they're actually called, Uh, but they're pins, I believe. Yeah. Pins. That sounds right. Um, Shards. You, you have three shards you can equip from the start, but you can upgrade the number you can equip later as you go through the game by doing these trials. Um, But shards are like perks. um, And they actually take the place of some of the abilities that you got in Ori and the Blind Forest. Like one of the first shards you get is sticky, which lets you like hold onto walls instead of uh, slide down walls, which is a very late game ability that you got in uh, Blind Forest. Um, Which made that game significantly better. Yeah, it it eases up the the kind of tension of it. So you get that very early here, so you don't necessarily have to worry as much. Uh, Which I had it equipped almost the entire game. So I don't think there's (laughs) any time I didn't have it equipped. But like you'll get one that lets you shoot. When you shoot the bow, you shoot three arrows instead of one. Or they ricochet off of enemies. Or you can shoot them in rapid-fire succession. So it's like three different shards just for the bow. Um, There's one that lets you triple jump that you can get a little bit later. So that's not a major ability, but that's like a little extra thing you can get for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's one that makes it easier to find secrets, right? So a lot of those shards... like. Uh, if I'm about to do, they have like combat trials. If I'm about to get into a lot of combat, yeah. you can kind of spec yourself up for combat and and have a lot of fun with it. And a lot's going on on screen, and and you're kind of jumping around, shooting arrows, and throwing spears, and all this like really cool stuff. But you feel very in control of it at any time, and mm-hmm. uh, it's tough. But it's it, like there are shards you can equip that reduce the damage you take and stuff like that. So as long as you're rolling with that, I think generally you won't have too much trouble with it. It'll just be kind of like fun, action-y combat, and it's just a spectacle to see on top of all that. Yeah, and I think that sounds like a a much improved, like, tool set Mm -hmm. from Blind Forest because... There's like literally no combat in Blind Forest. Yeah, and what it, there is, it, it's not great. It wasn't about that, um, and this game like mm-hmm. tries to make itself more about that and make it more engaging. Yeah. There's boss fights in this game, you know, like which are pretty mm-hmm. fun. I think some of them, like I think one of them, is is maybe a little questionable, but the other few, and there's not a lot of them. The other few are, I think, yeah. a lot of fun. So, yeah, and I think going back to that, like the fluidity thought, is I think by incorporating all of these shards and having Ori still be that like super light feathery character, it all bleeds into each other. And that's 
part of the design, which I appreciate just hearing you talk about, is yeah. how everything's all incorporated into the same kind of space, and you know, the tool set is interpreted a certain way as well. Yeah. And the, the, like by the time I was done with it, and you kind of incorporate the traversal tool set with your combat tool set and how you like to play that game, because they give you a lot mm-hmm. of options. Like I, they give you the sword at the beginning, but I honestly barely use it. I used like the heavy hammer, which was a lot slower, but did like three times as much damage. So I yeah. would just take my time with combat and like hit folks real hard, and it felt real good. Mm-hmm. Um, so like by giving you that time, like a very much longer runtime than the first Ori, um, and, and all of like the gradation of, of how you get the abilities, you're like incorporating movement into combat, into movement, into combat, like very well by the end of it. It just, it feels very, very good. Everything complements each other, which is, it's hard to do that in a platformer. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's something which... Like, I have a lot of, like, I have qualms with Hollow Knight, and, like, it tried to d- do what you're, like, explaining, but I think Will the Wisps is the perfect example of marriage and platforming. Yeah. Um, and that sounds awesome. Also, tool sets. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my jam. Yeah. Because I think, as well as having all these, having a diverse tool set is what makes games fun for me. And I think I'm curious to hear, like, how truly diverse this toolset is without going into, like, super deep spoilers. Yeah, I like, the ability wheel that you get has, like, 15 different things on it, maybe maybe more than that. Um, and, and so, like, it's cool because I, I compared it to Zelda earlier, but honestly, it, it is a lot like Zelda. And not in a bad way. Like, it is a mar- yeah. it feels like a cool marriage of Zelda and Metroid, and it doesn't lose any of the Metroidvania roots. Like, you get to an area... It, I guess, like, it's just formatted more like a Zelda game, right? Like, you get to... Mm-hmm. Let's say you get to the desert region, right? Which is one of the... When the game kind of opens up, it's one of the places you can go uh, first, um, if you wanted to. Uh, that has, like, this ability where you can drill through the sand, like these areas of sand, and then you can launch yourself out of them. Uh, But what's cool is you can launch yourself through like little earth kind of like cylinders that will then Mm -hmm. essentially it'll act like as a boost jump while you're traversing. Uh, That's one of the the many traversal abilities you get. So this is, they've shown this ability in trailers, so I don't necessarily feel bad about Mm -hmm. talking about it. But you get there and you kind of see the sand all around and you f- know that like you're going to probably get an ability related to traversing it. But you go yep. through a little bit of the environment and then about halfway through that area, you get that ability and then now you go back through it and, and solve puzzles and stuff like that with that ability in hand. So that feels like a Zelda dungeon. Like that format is what mm-hmm. a Zelda dungeon is. But yeah. it still keeps the Metroidvania feel of like, oh, there's like, a, here's a flower that I can't use right now, but I'll have an ability later that I can, or this or that, mm-hmm. that you can then, after you've beaten the game or after you're done exploring, you can go back and, and kind of clean up house. So it, it is really smart in the way it gives you those tools. Uh, and it, it, it ta- lets you take a lot of time to learn how to use them too. Yeah, and I think from what you've described it also sounds incredibly intuitive, mm-hmm. which is something that I, f- I feel that some Zelda likes try to em- emulate that formula. Like, cool, you're going to go through this dungeon, then you're going to get this tool A or whatever. 
but when you start using it, it doesn't really, it doesn't feel, it doesn't flow. It doesn't feel intuitive. Yeah. And I think from what you've described, it does, it, everything in Ori is intuitive. It all, it all feels great. Like, There's not a, an ability mm-hmm. that doesn't feel great in this game. Uh, the, the toughest thing for me was like when I got bash and it's like, Oh, this is mapped to a different button and I'm not used to this. Uh, yeah. but like that was partly because I had been playing Ori in the blind forest, like literally that week. So I had like yeah. had that in my head and this feels the same, but it, the button mapping is different. So, yeah. Um, I have one final, uh, thing I want to talk to you about, Alex. Sure. Actually, two things. Okay. The first thing is going to be a short one. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about those escape sequences. Yeah. Because they're still a pain in the ass. So they're still here. Um, I The thing is, I, I think Ori is generally a bit more forgiving with damage uh, that it, it gives okay. you. So, like, the environmental hazards don't do as much damage. I Like, I died way less in this game. And it, okay. It, I think that was, like, a little bit of a, a, a part of the first Ori, right? That was partly why you could make checkpoints anytime. It's like, hey, this mm-hmm. is a game where you're pretty brittle and you're going to die a lot. They made yeah. you less brittle in this game, so I feel like you, okay. you're just going to die less um, in general. So es- escape sequences are still there. The checkpoints are still brutal, right? They didn't, there's no extra yeah. checkpoints in, in the middle of those. It's another thing where you're going to have to kind of go through all of them. Uh, not a thing I had as much trouble with as you did, so it's hard for me to gauge... Mm-hmm. Uh, like compared to the first game, um, I think they're <laughs> super good in this game. Though I'll I'll say that like yeah. as someone who loved uh you know the Ginso tree, and then like there's one kind of toward the end of 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 Ori in the Blind Forest. Uh, I I thought it, they were just so exciting and and so enthralling. Mm-hmm. There's multiple of them here. I, I don't necessarily want to say how many. Um, they get harder as the game goes along. The last one I thought was the hardest one, uh, or I guess, maybe it's the second to last one. Um, yeah. But again, some of them you can kind of do in any order. So um, that was just the the one that for me that was I guess the hardest. Mm-hmm. And the only one I, I died like four or five times on. But yeah, I I think uh, they give you a little bit. It feels like they give you a little bit more time. The camera kind of leads you a little bit more. It's a little bit more zoomed out, so you kind of have more of an expectation of what to to do next. Um, yeah, and I I think again the the way that they have designed the levels to be more about like horizontal movement and like the abilities that you get is more about horizontal movement and traversal and kind of just zooming through the environment. I am hopeful that it will feel a little bit faster and make a little bit more sense uh, to anyone that might have struggled before. I don't know for sure, but that's my hope. Yeah, and I think if the focus is on horizontal like traversal yes. uh, movement as well, um, I think that's something which I didn't like about, about the escape sequences in Blind Forest is because they were all vertical. Yes. You are leaving in a vertical sense, and that's like some of them were not intuitive. and. Uh, so I'm e- I'm eager to jump into Will of the Wisps. Um, There's definitely vertical escape sequences. I will say they're, okay. they're, they're not all horizontal. It's just generally the focus Damn. of the game is more about horizontal movement. The, one of the mm-hmm. first major powers you get outside of the double jump is like a dash, a forward dash that uh-huh. like pushes you forward quite a bit. So a lot of the early platforming which then evolves into the later platforming is mm-hmm. dashing like f- rolling forward through the air to get across big gaps feels fucking okay. good man i'll tell you what 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I... I it's it's hard to say for you, Quinn. You'll you'll probably oh, you'll struggle a little bit. I'll say. But then again, the baby gamer has logged on. <laughs> um, so this is easy mode. Um, I can tell you that much. So cool. The difficulty is an accessible thing, but that's a whole ass fucking argument. That I don't want to get into. Um, let's talk about the music mm. because. For me, much of my time spent with Blind Forest was enjoying the music and as well as the journey. And you kind of alluded to the music in when you're talking about the environments and like how they were all distinct and had their own kind of vibes. But I really wanted to like dive into that if we could. Sure. Uh, I'll say you hear the Ori theme song a lot. You'll you'll definitely hear okay. that more than once uh, throughout the game. <laughs> Not in a bad way. They do. They you get kind of a different version of it for each area, which is cool. Um, each environment, each major environment has its own music. The town music, oh, good vibes, man. It's just okay. very good vibes. Um, and like you know, there's a lot of characters talking. There's a lot of epic moments where like big giant environmental characters will talk to you uh, and they, they all have very cool themes and music um, I, one thing without being too spoilery but I just want to throw out there it, this game gets pretty sad um, and, I mean the first one was so. yeah and the first one had like I would say like it, it got happy again I don't know <laughs> I don't necessarily know if this game gets fully there again. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets pretty sad. Um, again, no spoilers. Like I don't necessarily construe a worst case scenario from that, but like it, it it's got you in a lot of feels, and it it uses the music well to to encapsulate those moments. That's good. And the, the, that was. I'm excited to listen to the game. There's just yeah, inv- different environments have like the, the, one of the first like dungeon you go to where you get the grappling hook is like this big windmill, this water mill thing. Okay, uh, and it it has very cool music. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just like it. I couldn't tell you necessarily like I couldn't repeat the theme of one, but it they were very airy and jolly and complemented like this very green, bright game very well. There's a snow area too that that has very nice music. Love snow music. Um, snow music is always good, mm-hmm. no matter the game. Persona Four so last... Golden Snow music like gets me in my feels, dude. Yeah, I can I can feel that because even like the Mario snow music's good. So good, you're right. I would say the Celeste soundtrack because that's all snow music. Yes, it's all good. Agreed, agreed. Um, but do you have any final thoughts you want to dish out for this review discussion, Alex? I do. I'm I'm glad that's exactly how I would want to put this last thing. The way it, this is high praise. So, and and keep in mind there are still technical problems with this game that m- may have gotten better, but I don't think are necessarily fully resolved with the console version, uh, which I played on Xbox One X, just to be specific. But this might be bold to say, but playing this game to me, as someone who loved the first game, felt like playing Super Metroid again. Uh, okay. for the first time, right? Like it felt like such an evolution of the idea that it had first presented in a way that reminded me specifically of Super Metroid, just because <clears throat> that's a game that took absolutely everything in its power to the, the nth degree at the time. Um, yeah. and obviously times have changed a lot, and there's a lot more power that available to games and and what you can do with traversal and platforming in Metroidvania. 
But as someone who loves Hollow Knight, and I think that's still like probably the gold standard for Metroidvania, is like this incorporated so much of what that game understood to be the heart and soul of how to evolve this genre, uh, and also evolved it in new ways, and also was so true to the message and to the vibes and the the feelings that the first game had, and and like quadrupled down on it in exactly the way a fan of Ori and the Blind Forest would have wanted it to be. It's like, I, I talked about it a little bit on the podcast. It's a little sad because I liked mm-hmm. Ori as the small, nice thing that it was, but also to see it so incredibly well-realized is even like tenfold more exciting. It is more worth it to yeah. see this kind of little thing exploded out into this beautiful, huge beautiful story amazing feeling characters and and just like one of the greatest platforming uh experiences ever i think one of the best that you can have period so that's that sounds like for me that is like i was most likely going to purchase this game Mm -hmm. but this having this conversation with you has pushed me over i'm like okay i genuinely want to see what this team has done and what they have actually improved on and i think the comparison of Ori and the Blind Forest is Metroid, right? Mm-hmm. And Will the Wisps is Super Metroid. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Because Super Metroid's a really rad game. Yeah. I've is. never played Metroid because it's too damn hard. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's a fantastic comparison because it's the same kind of idea and characters, but it just exempl- it, it amplifies them so much more. It makes them grander and bigger. Yeah, so. and it, it it nails it. It really does. Um, mm-hmm. I like want to go play more now. Like I'm excited to play it again to start from the beginning mm-hmm. again because I'm just excited to to see the game again and see see how that that toolkit unfolds and and evolves. Mm-hmm. And Alex, yes, since I, we at Irrational Passions like to slap scores on things. Mm-hmm. What would your score be? It's hard to say. I, I need a little bit more time. Uh, okay. with the patch version, so I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give two scores here. Assuming the uh some of the technical issues get cleaned up, because uh, there's just a lot of full stops that the game made. Um, okay, like chug between areas and then kind of like loads in, and then it's fine for for the most part. Some framiness, but generally fine after that. Um, so pre-patch, I would say an eight point five. If if you want to put a number okay. on it, post-patch, assuming it's better. I uh, I would put it as high as a nine. Um, okay. But I, you know, I'm I'm. There will probably be a written thing where that is a more mm-hmm. official th- thing that exists. But if people are wondering where my head is at, um, yeah, it is. The technical problems are enough to hurt the experience of the game. Uh, but okay. assuming that they are minimal or just less or or not as bad, uh, I mm-hmm. think it is just one of the best platformers you could play. Period. And I like that's, and that's someone who loves Hollow Knight, loves Super Metroid, loves all yeah. these games. Like this is right up there with them, I think. Yeah, um, and it's a good time for this kind of game oh, to release as well. It's a great time. I uh, love. I loved playing this game. It was it was delightful. It was a little snackum. I loved it. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So now that this is over. I'm gonna. This is the this is the process. Yeah. So Alex. Yeah. 
Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me at Alfighter27. Uh, field some questions about Ori. Um, check out Irrational Passions podcast, uh, which I host every Saturday, up every Tuesday. So, um, Also, uh, if people have questions about Persona 5 Royal, please tweet them at me and ask me them, and I will answer them when I can. Uh, cool. We can talk about that, right? Yeah. I can tell people I have okay. it. I can't, I can't say much more past that. Okay. I, I didn't know what the embargo was, so that's why I was going to mention it earlier. No, you're good. So, um, but you can find me, your host, Quentin Hoffman, or Quinn Hoffman, whatever, um, on the Twitterverse at quantum underscore arbiter. I'm going to say this once, and for the love of God, do it. Subscribe to the Irrational Passions. Yeah, Irrational Passions presents feed. It is the editorial. Uh, uh, no, scratch that. It's the auditorial, <laughs> editorial version of the site. So, article reads, reviews, discussions, conversations Alex has with Nabashin. Yeah, they all fireside chats. It's all. It's all there. Um, it's all there. It's a great feed, um, and it's very evergreen. So nothing is ever old. Um, so if you want, if you don't know where to jump in. Cool, jump in at the latest thing. There's no sequence to them. They're all there for digestion. And I would like to say to you, listener, thank you for joining me on this audio journey. And have a nice life. Bye. Bye.